It's Friday, and you know what that means. Keys to Vikings, Jets, bets, and your bold predictions here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like that on three, one, two, three. You, like it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. You can also find this show on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We will be talking a lot more about Bet Online. Uh, in just a moment, when we do our You Betcha Grambling segment, talk about some prop bets that I like for this game. Also, of course, your bold predictions are coming up. Uh, but first, let me just talk in a more general sense about Vikings Jets. For one, and I, I mean, I've been saying this for about a month now, the, the house money factor is so high that the rest of the regular season, these last six games, the stakes are relatively low compared to what a regular season game mostly is. For most teams, every regular season game is this sort of life or death as they teeter and fight and jockey for position um, for all but, I don't know, like four or five teams at the top and four or five teams at the bottom. Every game could be the difference between making and missing the playoffs. For the Vikings, we've already crossed a threshold where that's not the case, and we're just jockeying for seating. Seating is very important, and getting home games and all that stuff, a prize very much worth uh, playing for. But as a fan, not so much worth stressing over. These last six games, I'm very relaxed, because the Vikings win the division even if they lose them all, unless the Lions like literally win out or go like 5-1 and one down the stretch. That's the situation we're in. So keep that in mind as the stresses and ebbs and flows of the game come to you. But this Jets game will be a difficult test. There's a lot of good players on this Jets team, man. Like, I know they have a rough quarterback situation with Mike White, and I talked to John Butchko about him a lot uh, on yesterday's show, Crossover Thursday. John Butchko just locked on Jets. Um, and, And the kind of quarterback that he is, or at least the kind of quarterback he is now in the pros. But... I don't really, I mean, who knows what to make of him, right? Because he's had such ups and such downs. The vibe I get is that he is going to be a sort of point guard, West Coasty, get the ball out, deliver the ball to Garrett Wilson and, you know, the playmakers they want to deliver the ball to, Elijah Moore. Uh, And there is a way to play that on defense where you back everything off a lot, like this super soft shelly coverage that everybody's really mad about with that Donatel actually is like a pretty good plan against that. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing that at all in this particular instance, just because, um, you know, if you, if, if Mike white is going to militantly take what the defense gives him, then the defense can kind of dictate what the quarterback does. Right. Imagine if the defense gets to call the plays. that's the way I like to think about it sometimes. Um, and in that case, you know, all right, great. Let's, you know, give you four yards a pass and you can't make an offense that way, right? Um, but outside of that, like I already mentioned, you know, guys like uh, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore as 
particularly threatening players. Um, I don't know. John Butchko doesn't like Tyler Conklin. I, from what I gather, he's a, on a little bit of an island there, or at least he's like the lowest one on Tyler Conklin and, and the season that he's had in, in New York. I think Tyler Conklin's like a fine tight end for them, which is good for him. Um, but it's on the defense that I really get worried. Um, and like with Quinn and Williams and sauce Gardner and John Franklin Meyer and all of these players that are playing so well in New York, you know, how do you move the ball on that? And I think the key as it kind of always is, is going to be finding the right matchup for Justin Jefferson. Um, that's probably not sauce Gardner. Like if I'm the Vikings, I'm trying to find ways where sauce Gardner is not on Justin Jefferson. Like ever, if he, if he ends up on, on sauce Gardner, to me, that's um, uh, like a problem with the play or it's like it's a cost maybe is a, is a way to put it because sometimes there's formations or you're doing something else with the play, so it's worth it. But that's a cost. Justin Jefferson being on Sauce Gardner is a cost, not a plan. Um, but really, the concern that I have and the real key to the game for me, I've been meandering around it, is not giving Mike White easy and successful completions. Um, and this is what the Vikings did with Skylar Thompson. It's what they did for a while with Andy Dalton. A lot of the backups and not so they did it with Mac Jones, who i just coming off a Thursday night game where he looked absolutely dreadful, like what happened. And what happened is the Bills didn't give him the easy stuff. The Vikings have given all those guys easy stuff, easy yet productive completions, you know, easy three-step or five-step drop, top of drop, middle of the field, 15 yards, with the same timing you did in August. You might as well be throwing them on air, that kind of stuff, because they keep screwing up zones or their spacing isn't right or, they are, or they're late to break on stuff or, or what have you. We've been talking about it all year. And that is the way the Vikings lose this game. That's the way the Vikings give up, you know, 24 points to Mike White and lose this game 24-20. Um, if that's the game we're talking about, then we're talking about how the Vikings made it too easy for Mike White. Now, they have not approached backup quarterbacks the same way Zimmer did. When we have this like thing about backup quarterbacks, and honestly, this is going to be the third time this year that the Vikings have faced a backup quarterback that maybe just should have been the starter, and like maybe they did face the best quarterback in that room, um, the other two being Andy Dalton and uh, Taylor Heineke. But um, the... The way that Zimmer would handle backup quarterbacks, so he was really, really good at game planning for for a starting quarterback. That was one of the things that Zimmer always did really well, and it's why guys like Aaron Rodgers, if you look at the worst games he's had as a Packer in in, in those years, a lot of Minnesota on that, and and same thing with like Drew Brees and and guys that the Vikings would see a lot, um, whoever was in Chicago and and Detroit, but when it came to a backup because you didn't have tape and you couldn't really tailor a specific game plan to him, you'd go to the vanilla stuff and you just kind of go, okay, we're going to be in our base coverage and just sort of like survive it from there. And then suddenly you're running like the training wheels coverage against a dude that isn't great, but is good enough to take advantage of that. And suddenly Cooper rush is beating you in your own, in your own stadium um, on prime time. And, the Vikings this year haven't really had that. They've they've been really aggressive. They've said, okay, you got a backup in, you got a guy, we are going to come after him. And I believe these kind of backup games have been some of the more pressure heavy, uh, like blitz heavy, and and they've they've brought out some of the more aggressive stuff. 
That's what I want to see. I, I, I want life to be difficult for Mike White. So as much as I wouldn't mind the back it off shell, high struck, too high structure, let's just keep everything in front of us and tackle kind of world that kind of puts the game in Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson's ability to make guys miss. And I don't really like that. I would rather put the game in the hands of Mike White having to make a throw. And let's approach this like we approached the game against Taylor Heineke, um, where for Taylor Heineke to beat us, he had to make three or four more throws than he made in that game. There were some turkey hole throws he couldn't make and all that. Let's make Mike White do that. Let's make him do like a pinpoint seam ball 30 yards down the field. And if we get beat by that because Mike White made all these crazy throws down the field and maybe he's actually a really good quarterback, so be it. If we lose because Mike White made the throws of his life and he just had this like genuinely great quarterbacking game and we just didn't expect it, I'm fine. I'm, I'm at peace with that. I'll, I'll, I'll make peace with that. But I think that's a lower probability outcome than the one where you know Mike White got the ball out in two seconds and Garrett Wilson just happened to be better than a Caleb Evans in the open field. You know, like I don't want the game to come down to that. Let me let the game come down to Mike White's ability to to operate under difficult circumstances. Um, even if those difficult circumstances come at the cost of, man, you're really susceptible to like a really good deep throw. That's the game plan I would want to come with. And to me, that's that's the real key to the game. But um, hey, whether you agree with me or not, you can bet on all kinds of things. And we're going to talk about that next with You Betcha Grambles and of course, your bulb predictions. Before we get into any of that, though, I want to talk to you about Daily Fantasy, and in particular, Daily Fantasy made easy at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is just a more than, less than game. Uh, it's a lot simpler than Daily Fantasy, and it's just you against the house. Prize Picks has a projection, and you just got to talk about if they were going to do better or worse. That's it. You pick your favorite two to five players, and if you are right, you can win up to 10 times your money on entry. Takes less than 60 seconds to enter, gives you a stake in other games. Uh, prize picks is great. Um, a very fun game and I definitely like it a lot more than your classic like daily fantasy. I never really could get into that, but prize picks is a great time. So go to prizepicks.com and you can get a 100% instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on for a 100% match. And that means if you put in a hundred bucks, you get a hundred more bucks slap right on top of it, put in 50, get 50 and so on. Once again, prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on, or of course, get the Prize Picks app, which you can find at Google Play or on the App Store. All right, everybody, I hope you are ready to gramble because it is the You Betcha segment. All right, the accent will only get thicker until morale improves. <laughs> we um, have a few to uh, catch up with from last week. I did some You Betchas. We did okay. We went two and two, uh, but. One of the ones that I hit on was plus 200. So if you had bet all four of them, you would have at least come away in the black, which is always good. So we'll talk about some of those prop bets. All these prop bets are powered by Bet Online. Bet Online, your one stop shop for all things Grambling. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, let's start with talking about what happened in the uh, Patriots game. I really thought Ramondre Stevenson would go over 89.5. The Bill or the Patriots, like, low key couldn't run the ball. And the reason for that is really cool. I have a Twitter clip about it, but basically the Vikings changed a lot about how they would fit the run, especially how they would fit the run versus power. The Vikings had a huge problem versus power, in particular the Bills' power. Um, the, the Bills, when they ran power with the pulling guard, you know, um, 
it got a ton of production. And then the Bills, very inexplicably, went away from it in the second half. And I called it out. I did a whole Patreon video, and I think I talked about it on this show too. But I was like, the Vikings have a power problem because that, like that, their run defense didn't get better. The Bills basically tried to, I think, stay one step ahead, and they accidentally just took themselves off of what was working because they just outthought themselves a little bit. And like, that's kind of them making a mistake in front of you, not that you got better at defending something. So it's like they still have a power running problem. Um, the Cowboys game used mostly zone, and they just crushed us. And it's not really relevant to this, um, but the. Patriots came out using power, saying, wow, you know, the Bills did great, let's use that. And the Vikings totally changed the way that they fit those. So they really adjusted for that. And it worked really well. And I don't think the Patriots were expecting the Vikings to become the kind of run-defending team that they were. Um, the If you know the terms, they were doing spill fits against power, and they started doing box fits instead. If you know what that means, you'll immediately recognize that that's, that's actually a really cool adjustment to make, especially on a short week. Um, but in short, they uh, went from a run-fit strategy that's more about forcing running backs to bounce things outside than having defensive backs and linebackers come to clean it up, um, and instead went to a, a style of fitting the run where you deny the bounce and you deny the edge and just force everything to cut back inside where your defensive tackles clean it up. A lot of merit on both things. Teams in the NFL do it both ways for sure. There's pros and cons and all that stuff. Um, but kind of going from one to the other on a short week, super impressive stuff. And what it meant was that Ramondre Stevenson uh, did not hit over 89.5 like I was very sure he would. And he has been phenomenal on both ends of that game. So that's really the Vikings figuring out a way to really stun the Patriots and um, like really take Bill Belichick by surprise. I'm very impressed by it. But for my own sake, uh, that's a no. <laughs> But I also said, just take Vikings minus 2.5. Vikings won by a touchdown, so we get that. I also said, TJ Hawkinson's going to get his first touchdown as a Viking in that game. I was feeling it. I was feeling the... It, it just felt like it was time, all right? So uh, anytime touchdown, Hawkinson was plus 200 on bet online. Um, so that was a yes. And then I also said that we would get, at some point, Kirk Cousins would scramble. Just needed four yards. Didn't get a single scramble in the whole game. So that was a no. I will never quit Kirk Cousins rushing overs. <laughs> never, never. All right? You never know when there's going to be a third and six of these scrambles, and he covers that five-and-a-half-point line. Um, so two and two, but overall in the black, we take those all day. So I've got four more prop bets here for this Jets game. Again, you can find the, these props. Um, all of these lines are subject to change by the time I'm recording this to the time you get to it. The, the lines might be different. Bet online will release them differently, maybe. Uh, but here's what I really like. The Vikings have been utterly phenomenal on their first drive. The opening script has been fantastic. Um, so Minnesota to score on their first drive is plus 135. That means worse than two to one odds, the uh, market thinks. That, that that will happen. Less than a 50-50 chance, I guess, is what you would say. The market does d thinks uh, that there's a less than 50-50 chance that the Vikings score on their first drive, which is kind of wild, considering how good that they've been on those scripted plays. Now, of course, the Jets' defense is so good that you have to get a little bit of pause, but I like plus 135. I think that that's a buy. Um, I just think the odds are, are good enough there to, uh, to, to take that risk. I think it's closer to a coin flip and I think plus 135 is a little too low on it. Um, they have scored a lot with their scripted drives. And I think Kevin O'Connell's just shown that he's very, very good at that. He was very, very good at that with Los Angeles last year as well. The Rams were great on their opening drives. And Kevin O'Connell was like pretty uh, 
takes a lot of the credit for that over Sean McVay. Sean McVay really delegated some of that stuff to him, um, which is part of why he got those head coaching interviews in the first place. So even with how good the Jets defense is, I really feel good about that one. I also feel like I, there's something that John told me yesterday on, on Crossover Thursday that's sticking in my head with, um, with Mike White. And it's that, you know, once he has, he kind of has had a, a, a real good game, right? He'll come in and he'll play admirably. And then eventually he kind of pumpkins and he'll have like a four interception game. Like that's what happened last year. He played a couple of good games and then he had a four interception catastrophe. Maybe this is that. Uh, maybe you get a little bit of tape on him now, right? The Vikings have at least one game to go off of, and it's because it was the Bears, the Jets got to live the way they wanted to with, you know, yards after the catch and the way that they use those receivers and the way that they utilize their run game. Um, the Jets really got to show their cards for, okay, this is the offense we want to establish. So it gives the Vikings, I think, some good tape. Um, I, I like the idea of, of Patrick Peterson notching one here in particular, uh, I couldn't find that actual prop. If you can find it, go for it. But there is also Mike White over 0.5 interceptions. Um, so I'm going to take that. But that said, I still have that same concern of this middle of the field, you know, 15-yard plays. I say the key to the game is preventing that stuff and and playing those things tighter, but I haven't seen the Vikings really be able to do that with any consistency at all. So I think the Jets are going to be able to put a few drives together. Um, I like the over in this game. It's, I think, like 44 and a half or something like that. I like that over. Um, but in particular, I'm going to take Mike White over one and a half touchdowns. I think he can throw a couple scores in this one. I don't think they're going to put up 35 on us. If they do, we've got some soul searching to do. Um, but I, 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 think the, I don't think this is going to be one of those games like what the Patriots had against the Jets where they just can't move the ball, they can't function at all. Um, I think Mike White at this particular juncture is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson was uh, if he were to stay in. Maybe he can fix his mechanics, get his reset, whatever the coaches think he needs, and maybe get back to a form of what, what he was showing earlier in his career. But for now, I do think that the Jets offense run by Mike White is like real. And if they have something they can do that's real, that they can do well, I, I, I just don't trust the Vikings defense really all that much. I like him getting a big play or two, but I also like him giving up a big play or two. So I've got Mike White over the interception and the touchdown prop. Let's get a weird game. And then here's the thing on the other side of the ball. I wasn't sure what to do with Justin Jefferson because obviously you've got Sauce Gardner. His line is under 70, which I think is the lowest a Justin Jefferson line has been like all year. And that's because the Jets have a really strong track record of shutting down major wide receivers, shutting down superstars. Jamar Chase, 26 yards in their game against the uh, the Bengals, for example. So I get why that line is low. If you wanted to bet the over on that, I certainly wouldn't judge you. But I'm going to go a different direction here. Um, I think Justin Jefferson can get his. He'll They'll find his way. But Michael Carter is their nickel corner. Now, he has been playing well. He is also alarmingly close to my size. He's got about 20 pounds on me, and we're the same height. I think TJ Hawkinson, if you get him in the slot and you get those matchups, and the Jets will allow you to dictate those matchups, can have a big day. I like TJ Hawkinson, and, and even if I'm wrong about that, and Hawkinson doesn't have a good day and stuff, because he's still having, you know, 
he's still getting playbook stuff down. He's still trying to get himself like fully comfortable and acclimated. An interesting tidbit from uh, Ron Johnson on the Minnesota Football Party, which you can watch also, by the way, on the Locked On Minnesota Sports YouTube channel. It comes from a an interview that Ron Johnson did with the Vikings of TJ Hawkinson and David Blau and kind of their relationship and how Blau has helped TJ Hawkinson get ready and stuff because they're friends from Detroit. Um, and an interesting tidbit about Hawkinson was that that he mentioned, this is going to come out later, I think. Uh, it's running on the radio right now. But um, he he mentioned that Hawkinson was getting tagged in play calls and that he was kind of like, I don't want to have to be tagged. And he was like that like kind of motivated him to to get a better grasp of the playbook. But basically that means you call whatever the normal play is and then you at the end say, you know, and then 87 corner or 87 seven or whatever your terminology is, you know, 87 basic. And basically that is telling TJ Hawkinson what route to run so that he doesn't have to memorize the whole playbook. Or if he doesn't have the whole memorized playbook, he's being directly told what to run. And there was a little bit of like shame to it for him because he like wanted to know the playbook better for that. And that's what that story was about. Um, but suffice to say, yeah, there's going to still be some growing pains. I don't think that that's still happening. I think that was a story for when he like first got here, but just to give you a sense of like TJ Hawkinson still learning stuff. So, not a guarantee that TJ Hawkinson is going to blow up. And that's why I'm not taking his yards over. I'm taking his receptions over because I think the Vikings see this and they're going to try it. And I think you're going to see volume here, whether that volume is a bunch of dumb tight end screens or uh, whether it's stupid catches or whether it actually goes for something that's remains to be seen. But I like the idea of TJ Hawkinson over four and a half receptions. I want to get to your bold predictions. Uh, and I want to make sure that we do them justice. We got very close to, a th- to hitting a third week in a row. I also want to talk to you about that. So that's coming right up next. Before any of that, though, I want to talk to you about a new slate of football podcasts coming out by Audible. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible, and they're releasing a new slate of really fun football podcasts. For example, Think Like a, Ch- Think like a Champion, which is a brand new podcast from Russell Wilson and Audible. Uh, Russell Wilson, Super Bowl winner, Character to say the least, um, alongside co-hosts Harry Wilson and the late Trevor Moa, dig into how high-performance athletes, artists, and leaders push the boundaries of their potential. For example, you can hear stuff from like Vaughn Miller uh, delivering insights on performing at your highest level, how to deal with the extreme pressure. Uh, you can listen to Tim Tebow talking about finding his unique mission in the world after uh, being an NCAA champion. You can hear these guys swap stories about their time in locker room and on the field from the perspective of champions and how to, like the title says, think like a champion. This show will be available for free on Audible or wherever you get your podcasts. It is time, everybody. Are you ready to get bold it is time for the bold prediction segment favorite thing of the week what a blast to end this week the exclamation point on the week of locked on vikings last thing we'll talk about before this game is actually played um i'm taking your bold predictions your spiciest takes and we'll go over the ones from last week first see if any of them hit uh andrew creel said that well you know you know what let's talk about um the first one the the one that almost hit first let's get the the elephant in the room out of the way skull actuary who has already hit one this year, uh, so he's on fire. My, my dude is on a tear. Says Said that six Patriots would go over 40 yards receiving. 
Now, if you go look at that box score, five Patriots went over 40 yards receiving and Kendrick Bourne had 36. (laughs) We got dangerously close. Uh, If Kendrick Bourne wrestles away from that Patrick Peterson tackle at the end of the game that kept him in bounds, if he instead fights forward, gets away from that tackle, maybe just reaches the ball out a little bit, we're, we're talking about three weeks in a row of a bold prediction hitting. We got one in the first like 20 weeks of this or more than that, more like 30 weeks of this. And we had two in a row and we got that close to three in a row. You guys are on fire. I love it. Uh, Andrew Creel said that CJ Ham would have two touchdowns. Love the energy. Obviously didn't get there. Uh, Malcolm Biggles said that Bill Belichick would publicly reiterate his belief that all plays should be reviewable. There is definitely something to be said about this, um, but the only real review controversy was that one Hunter Henry touchdown that wasn't, and that was reviewed. So it wasn't something that there wasn't really a reason for it. Um, however, I think there was stuff elsewhere in the uh, in, in the league that could have gotten him to, but as far as I know, there was no quote. Um, send it to me if there was one, and I'll, I'll make it up to you. Skolator said that we would cruise to victory and that the Vikings' uh, win percentage would be at its lowest to begin with. Like, the win percentage would just go up and stay up. We did not get there. The Vikings were underdogs to win in that game several times and had to, like, climb out of holes. It was a very back-and-forth affair. Eric the Red said that in the spirit of giving thanks, the winning team would give away three more turnovers than the losing team. I think we just had the one pick, right? That was it for for the Vikings. Uh, And B. Lanners said that both teams would take a safety, at least one of which is intentional. We sure almost got one at the end of the game, but no safeties to speak of. Let's move on to this week's bold predictions. Thank you guys all for all of your submissions. I love how many I get for these. I love how much you guys love this um, or seem to love this. I hope so. You sure do submit a lot of them. So I hope that's what that means. Um, Ingram's left foot says that Mike White will put up a four touchdown passing touch or a four passing touchdown day in a losing effort, (laughs) stressing the hell out of Vikings faithful. So we need to basically parlay Mike White's four passing touchdowns with the Vikings money line. Crazy odds on that, right? Um, I absolutely love the vibe of this. And I like I, I already took Mike White over one and a half, right? So I, I already kind of laid out the logic for how this happens. They, you know, the Vikings can't go over the middle of the field. There's all kinds of timing stuff. The Vikings off, uh, defensive line can't get enough pressure on Mike White. They're giving him clean pockets, letting him carve things up. Um you know, making it just too easy for him and stuff, and they're just ding- and they're just like going down the field all day, or if they can get a running game going, um, you know, give Mike White like short down and distance situations and stuff. Like there is totally a world for this. Uh, but this also implies that the Vikings offense scores a crap load against one of the best defenses in the league. Um, arguably the best defense in the league, because the last team I said that about just gave up 33 points to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. So they obviously now you can't call them that, right? That's the way this tends to go. Once you lose to the Vikings, you're no longer considered a contender. And the Vikings haven't beaten any contenders. What's up with that? I love this scenario. Would be very fun. Josh says that Brian O'Neill finally catches a TD pass like he did when he was at Pitt. We had this like every week for a while last year. It's what I want have wanted since we drafted him. Um, he has, I mean, look, if they were going to practice this, they probably wouldn't do it in the public. But there has been very little in the way of indicators that the Vikings are even considering this, but just listen to the ref when, when you're in a goal line situation, if they're coming out in six offensive linemen, 
And you've got to listen for 75 is reporting eligible, and then we can all get our hopes up. Ryan Gunn says the game goes to overtime. KJ Wright takes a wide receiver screen pass for a touchdown to win. Okay, a whole bunch of people said some version of this. Basically, the, that's the way the last time the, the Jets came to Minnesota. It was at TCF Bank Stadium, and Jarius Wright took a wide receiver screen to the house in overtime for a walk-off win. Um, so it's basically saying it's going to end the same way. So I had to include some version of it. It goes to Ryan Gunn, but I, I acknowledge everybody who said something like that. The same number 17 takes a wide receiver screen, and it's got to look the same. Like it's, it's I'm, I'm not giving you, you know, that it was a swing pass. It's got to be a screen, like a tunnel screen with people blocking in front. Uh, dried up Mond Pond <laughs> says, oh, that's a rough thing that happened a couple years ago, huh? Uh, in the 2010 preseason, Kevin O'Connell had 70 passing yards, seven rushing yards, and two interceptions as the Jets quarterback in two games. So if you remember, uh, Kevin O'Connell, backup quarterback for a while, was in Jets training camp and got cut on hard knocks. Great cl- clip, right? Because like, oh, look how far we've come. Uh, dried up Mon Pond says that Kirk will have a worse stat line in this game. So I'll be the judge of what a worse stat line is. Like if he does a hundred passing yards, but three picks, I'll probably give it to give you that. Like I'll probably do like an adjusted net yards per attempt or a passer rating or something like that just for like a crude measure. Um, but okay. Kirk will have a worse day than that, than 70 passing yards and two picks. Adam Klein saucer says that Mike White's first pass attempt will be a pick six. Absolutely love it. And hey, it would cash my over uh, 0.5 interceptions prop. So we are all in on that. And then finally, Tony Trout says that the Vikings will score on each of their first five drives. So we, that's that's the world we live in where both the uh, Mike White four touchdowns thing happens, but we also score on each of our first five drives and find a way to win the game anyways. I love these bold predictions. I love y'all. I will see you guys all on Monday on the other side of this. In the meantime, check out Locked On Sports today. Uh, they'll be talking about the wacky, wild group stage stuff going on in the World Cup, um, as well as everything else, you know, basketball. Maybe there's some Chris Paul news to talk about. Who knows? <laughs> as well as NFL and hockey, all that good stuff. I'll see y'all tomorrow. And as always, skull.